Hello, and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and a cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and the director of Fresh Expressions UM. I'm really excited to say that our upcoming um, national gathering, the first ever FXUM national gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, from February 7th through 9th. <clears throat> we just got a report today that we have over 700 people registered for that uh, between on-site and online. So hope you'll join us there. And um, it, whether that's on a hub site or online or uh, on uh, in, in the room in Charlotte, can't wait to see you there. And one of the reasons why you should come is because our guest is going to be there uh, speaking and leading, and uh, we're going to get to learn more from him. So today we are joined by my friend, Wu Kang, who is an associate pastor of the Net Church, a multi-site United Methodist Church located northwest of Atlanta, Georgia. And he's the lead pastor of At the Table, uh, a dinner church in historic Norcross, Georgia, that they planted in February of 2023 as a campus of the Net. And Wu was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, moved to Atlanta in 2018 to attend Candler School of Theology. Shout out to all the Candler people in the house. Uh, earning an MDiv with a concentration in chaplaincy. And he and his wife have been married for a little over a year and a half and have a fur baby named Sugar. And outside of ministry and serving others, he loves fishing, eating. I can say amen to that, brother. Hiking and or sleeping. Amen. <laughs> Welcome, Wu. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. I think um, we're going to have lots of folks, I think, from Georgia and even um, the pastor of the net will also be there at the at the gathering with you. So I'm excited about that. Well, and here's some good stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's not too far for you compared to us. We have to drive or fly a little bit further. But well, we're going to make it North Carolina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, so our first question, Wu. So that people can get to know you a little bit more. Who is Wu Kang? So that's a good question. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that one. Um, but Wu Kang, I think it's complicated. Um, I was trying to think about this last night. And yeah, I think I'm a complicated person. Uh, I come from a background I'm very proud of, which is a child of immigrants from South Korea. And that is probably my core identity. Um, but I'm someone with a story. I never thought I'd be here. Never thought uh, if you told me 10, 15 years ago, I'd be a pastor. I'd probably say, heck no. Um, mm -hmm. But God brought me to this point um, through a lot of trial and tribulation, through a lot of discernment. But who I am today is, is a broken person that is constantly uh, experiencing God's grace every day um, and just hoping that other people around me can experience that grace as well. So, yeah, um, in a nutshell, you know, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, that's you don't meet a lot of Koreans from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, so that tells you my context. Um, I didn't grow up 
uh, really embracing who I was um, and a lot of identity issues and stuff like that. Um, always trying to find who I was. So that question of who are you was always um, at the forefront. And I think that allows me to do the ministry that I do today um, because I'm a big, I really value stories. Uh, we'll probably get more into it, but that's kind of the center of all that I do. I'm a strong believer that what you see is not what you get, um, that everyone has a story, including myself. And that story is able to be discovered through conversation, through relationship. Um, and yeah, so right now, um, 2024, I find myself in this role as um, an associate at the net, doing a lot of different things and also um, leading this new ministry called At the Table, uh, a new church that we are just seeking to serve people. Um, come as you are and God will meet you where you are. So that that's kind of who I am. I don't know if I answered your question, but um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, There's I, no wrong way. Yeah, no, I, I love how you answered that question because, you know, you, you gave us some core pieces of your identity and who you are, but also described like the evolution of personhood. Like we're all, we're all people in the making, you know, that's not, that's not a completed project. God's working on each of us. And I love how you Amen. thinking last week, I'm, I'm probably a little bit different than this week than I was last week. Right. Mm -hmm. All of us. Yeah. Are, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the church where you serve, it's located in this incredibly diverse area, and that is reflected in your leadership, worship style, outreach, and even in the name. Actually, I just taught my first course at uh, in Fresh Expressions at Candler, and one of the students in there was a, a young student, um, or uh, you're super young, but the, he seemed like he was a little bit younger that you, you're kind of, he's being raised up in your leadership there at the net. Um, and um, having visited your church and experienced it for myself, I've seen this, but uh, the net stands for nations experiencing transformation together and in fresh expressions, understanding the cultural context of a space and existing incarnationally in that space is one of the essential pieces of it. So can you talk about more about the why and the how of the NET's commitment to doing ministry in a multicultural community? Yeah. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, it kind of goes back to the first question. But for myself personally, I I've always grown up in the Korean church all my life, a very homogenous um, setting. And when I was at Candler, I ended up doing uh, two years of interning at um, a juvenile detention center as a chaplain. And that's when everything shattered for me. I was like, hey, heaven looks different than what I'm used to seeing at church. Um, and that's when I took a break from church. I was serving at a small Korean church at that time as well. And I, I had to take a break. I was like, God, my understanding of what church looks like is not what I'm used to. You know, there's so much value in those affinity group churches, right? I, I completely get it. But for me, I was like, man, I feel like God is calling me for to be somewhere else. And a constant thing that was on my mind was I want to be somewhere that looks like heaven on earth. Like that's what I believe community should be is heaven on earth. 
And then I stumble upon this church called the Net Church. Um, I really don't like the color orange, but this church got orange everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> let's, let's take a look. Um, and it was really the only like UMC church I could find around the area. Cause that's when I was newer to the area that seemed um, contemporary, modern, present in the community. And I visited a couple times and that's when I um, was able to start my relationship with Pastor Rodrigo Cruz. And when we were talking and he was sharing with me about his vision of planting the net, you know, in 2015 out of a high school, he literally used the phrase, we're just trying to be heaven on earth. And I was like, okay, there, there's the click. And um, for him and for the net is Gwinnett County is known to be the most diverse county in the Southeast. And I know for Rodrigo is when he was planning the net was when his kids started to go to school, he realized church should look like the school. It's mm. not just all one type of person, uh, which church has a lot of times become. And from my understanding, that's what kind of motivated the vision of the net is to be a place that looks like the schools that we have here in Gwinnett County. And if you go anywhere in this county, you will see people from all different backgrounds and stories. And therefore we wanted, we want to be and continue to seek to be that church community where everyone and anyone can come. And, and the thing about Gwinnett County is, you know, we just have so many different stories and it would be a shame if we can't worship those stories together. And that's why within our services, you know, Gwinnett, I, the Net Church, N-E-T-T, like you said, Michael, Nations Experiencing Transformation Together, uh, we do whatever we can to be inclusive. We do whatever we can to represent, but in a proper way. Um, something that I've seen done is you give, you know, a minute and 30 second mic time to someone to say something in a different language and they step down and you just go on with what you do. But uh, we really try to incorporate everyone's background culture history within the dna of who we are and if you look at our staff you'll see kind of that already um you know we have a mexican senior pastor a korean associate a black associate and a venezuelan um, executive pastor i mean and then our staff in itself is so diverse and we believe that is important in leadership because if you come to a church and you say that, hey, we're multicultural, we're multi-ethnic, and it's all, you know, white people, <laughs> it's going to be like, Go ahead. you know, I'm not going to connect here. Um, so we are very intentional in that. And another way is um, celebrating. I know I said that word earlier, but it's not just adding things to what we do, but we celebrate different cultures and races, ethnicities. And another thing that is important for us is that we are diverse in many different ways. And one of those most popular is going to be, you know, race or ethnicity. But if you come into our church, you could be next to someone uh, that has their PhD and then sit next to someone that is living in their car in our parking lot, you know, like, and that's part of being multicultural is that there are so many different cultures and stories and backgrounds that we represent. And another thing is through our outreach efforts. I mean, we believe 
the church is supposed to be mobile. We believe that the body of Christ is mobile and we believe that the church is anywhere and everywhere. So, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves in is our mission Sundays, last Sunday of every month, we shut down, all of our campuses shut down and we go serve. And when you are able to serve the community, it's not just like white savior kind of thing. When you see our church out in the community, you see someone that looks like you, a part of this church that is out here to do life with you, to walk with you. So there are many things that we try to do. And I'll be honest, when I came into this, I thought, hey, this is going to be great. And it is, but it's way more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Uh, mm. Some people think if you commit to being multicultural, it's just all rainbows and butterflies. It's not. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of intentionality in everything that you do and every word that you say. How can this be misunderstood from, you know, this country or this background? And we try to be so intentional, but I like that because God is always you know, checking us. Like, do you really say that you love our people, all of my people? Then there's work we have to do and it doesn't stop. It literally does not stop. Every day we have to be intentional. So that's kind of as much as I can condense it, what we do in the ways in which we do. Yeah. One of the things, just a couple of follow-ups on that, that was so just powerful about worshiping with you was all the different languages and voices that were included. And it wasn't like just giving somebody a little spot, but we, we were singing whole songs and in, in languages that I couldn't speak. Um, there was just total shared dynamic leadership, everybody contributing equally. Um, and you are a contributor of, in our upcoming book, Doing Justice Together with Stephanie Morehand. And thank you so much for sharing your story, part of that. And um, like when I experienced your church, I thought this is probably the youngest, most diverse church plant in, in United Methodism, like in the world, I think. Um, and I was like, wow, it just I came away so hopeful just for United, And like I saw the present future of the United Methodist Church. But the other thing is like and what we try to point to in our book is the danger of tokenism and the whole multicultural conversation and people want to have diversity on the stage, but is there diversity in the boardroom where people are making decisions and their shared power and how that's being carried out? And I think your church, as far as I could tell, was like both shared power in the boardroom, like key decision makers together and and in the presentation, in the worship, in the outreach into the community. So it wasn't just something like what I see so many times, and this is unfortunate and I'm not trying to be critical, but the tokenism is like, maybe there's a lot on the stage in a worship service that looks diverse, but it's really not in, mm. it's still operating in that white supremacy kind of ideology and, and hierarchy. And I think your church literally is not that. And, and one of the only faithful expressions I know of that I've seen that. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going off of that, that is one of the hardest things, right, is because we're trying to be intentional in leadership. And that's not just staff, but I mean, in, in our laity, in our board, um, in our small groups. I mean, in everything, we're intentional that people are with people. And like, for example, in our board, we do a one board model 
like it's pretty awesome i'm not gonna lie like I'll, I'll brag on it but like you walk in and you see what you would think you would see in, in a board meeting like an 80 something year old older white gentleman but then for my campus our trustee is like 25 year old honduran american that that will sit there with all of his tattoos and hat backwards and sit there as a trustee you know and it's like <laughs> having that i think is so important that we can have voices from all different corners coming together and the beauty of it though is that you actually don't i mean sometimes you do but you don't hear as much arguing you hear a lot of you know coming together and I think that's what I just want to encourage so many other churches and, and pastors and leaders to do is like, it sounds scary. And yeah, like sometimes like I got to hit the 25 and be like, bro, you got to pay attention, man. Like you got to get on it. But with the work that we put in, you're able to have these people that can work together for good for the kingdom. Right. So uh, it's not easy, but it's definitely doable. Like, it's not like an unachievable thing. Like some people think, Oh my gosh, you guys are doing, it's like, just give it a shot. I mean, they're there, they're in your community. I don't know if they're in church, but they're in your community. So I'm, I'm, let's try it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big piece of that is um, the intentionality, which means um, resisting complacency maybe i don't know if that's the right word but we get into our rhythms you know and we were you know we create these monocultures because we surround ourselves with people that make us comfortable and feel like safe in those kinds of things but like you were saying like that's not what heaven looks like and that's not what jesus jesus was was calling people to push themselves and to stretch themselves and to be surprised and to open ourselves up. And I think that's, a, and it's not something that's just one time. It's like, okay, we've achieved multicultural, like we've done it, you know, now we're done. No, it's this continual thing because we as humans, like the world is always evolving. Our culture, our every generation is new and brings a new set of, um, of skills and challenges and ways of seeing the world. And so it's this, it is a constant thing, which can feel a little bit um, can, can be kind of intimidating. Cause you're like, Oh, that's a lot of work. Like that's, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to be worn out. But when it is something that we do together, people can, we lift each other up and it doesn't become one way, you know? Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear more about at the table. Um, I want to know about the story of kind of how it came to be and you call it a curated worship experience. So I want to, I want to know about that. Tell us more. Yes. At the table is my baby. I won't lie. It's been a, it's been a journey. Uh, very thankful this Sunday we're celebrating one year. Um, and it's been, it's been a journey, but a blessing. Uh, so how it came to be, if you know anything about Rodrigo Cruz, uh, he'll throw something out there and just say, hey, let's do it. Okay. So before I even got on staff at the net, um, we had our first Zoom meeting. And that wasn't like an interview. It was like, hey, I'm trying to get to know you. You try to get to know me. And this will always uh, stick out to me. Rodrigo was sharing that, hey, there's a potential campus, a, a building that we may be able to get. I don't know. Uh, what it's going to look like, but uh, we want to do something for younger people. You know, our campuses that we currently had at that time 
we are really good at getting young families. We are really good at getting the older folks. But we are missing those like 20s, 30s, or even 40s that don't have kids. Almost everyone that was attending had kids. But if you don't have kids, it was hard for you to kind of, you know, fit in or find that community. So he was like, I'm trying to do somewhat for young people. Uh, we have this potential place. And, you know, maybe that's something that you can help with. I shared him my, with my vision of just, hey, like I have a heart for young people. Too many of my friends um, stop believing in God and stop going to church. And like, I want to do something about it if I can. Planting's always been on my mind. I thought it was going to happen 10 years later. I did not think it would be happening now. Um, and he said, you know what? We'll be Paul and Barnabas and let's do it. Um, I want you to think of something, incubate for like a year, and we'll just make it happen. And I spent a little over a year uh, doing other things here at the net uh, while really trying to pray and discern what God was seeking to do. And that's when just how God works is amazing. You know, I, I being a Korean American food, food is essential in our culture. Like we don't say we love you in Korean like my mom don't tell me she loves me I know she does but she asked that by saying did you eat like that's the first thing that she'll ask when I call it did you eat today it's all about food and food is sacred and, and food is kind of the center of love in our culture and I know that when I can sit down and eat with you there's something special because like some people joke around but like if I don't like love you like that I'll grab coffee with but if I really love you, I'll sit down and break bread with you uh, and spend more time, especially dinner, right? So I thought about that being so essential to me. Um, and I was like, what would it look like for people that are broken, for people that are hurt, or the people that have never walked into a church, to be able to sit down at a round table to look at each other and just feel welcomed through a common thread of eating? And that's just been something on my mind. Um, and I'll be honest, at that point, I didn't know anything about Fresh Expressions. I didn't hear anything about Dinner Church. And then I was a part of this Academy of Innovation or Leadership or something like that here at North Georgia. And we had like a Fresh Expressions Vision Day. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And Luke Edwards was actually there speaking. And I started to hear things. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is just aligned with my heart. Like church needs to be different. Like it's, it's, it's not working for some people right now. So let's do it differently. And that's when I started to hear like about Foster's understanding of dinner church. I got into some literature and looked up things. A big influencer, though it's not fresh expressions, is St. Lydia's in New York. And just being exposed to these different methods, I was like, you know what? This can be done. So mm -hmm. You know, as I was thinking about our context of historic Norcross, which was where we were going to be able to plant, I did my research, uh, Ministry Insight, Mission Insight, and it started to absolutely break my heart when I started to find out that, you know, the, the community, that context, like people stopped going to church. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the statistics that, that said 30% of people in this community no longer believe in God. It wasn't that they do not believe in God. It's no longer. So that means something happened, right? And, and there's hurt there. And then to know that the fourth of our community are ages like 18 to 34 in a one mile radius. 
So I'm like, okay, I have this vision of eating with people. We're in a place where people are hurt. Let's try this dinner church thing out. And, and what does it mean to be curated? Is It's listening to the people. It's not just making it in the way that we want it to. And it's knowing that it can shift every time. But we curate it to create a space that is safe. That's always what I say. Like, I want to have a safe space where someone can come as they are to enjoy a meal, to dig deeper with each other and dig deeper with God. That's that's it. And if they can experience heaven on earth, even if that's for two hours, that's my hope. So that vision is what kind of drove us. Um, and I have an amazing team that I worked with, full laity, that we were like, hey, Let's come together and create this experience. And that's why we always use the word experience. We don't say service. We say our dinner worship experience um, because it is an experience. It's a moment that you can experience relationship and experience God in a new way is our hope. Um, but yeah, that heartbreaking is what um, led to at the table. And, uh, you know, our name official name is just hard with using font sometimes but it's at the table blank period and, and we did that on purpose was that that blank can be filled in by so many things is at the table you fill in the blank can happen you know at the table relationships can form at the table you can experience god so um in a nutshell that that's kind of how we came to be um to this day we're still figuring it out um it's not it's not cut and paste every time. Uh, we've tried different things, but ultimately we're trying to create a safe space, especially for the younger generation to come. Um, and I've learned so much through them and through our congregation, but yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> on that note, um, I love how it's this, this intrinsic motivation that you have that's, part of your culture and part of like how you express love through food. And like, that's, that's how you were formed basically communally. And then to be able to express that out in the world church, we hear this story so many times. Like I was just following the Holy spirit, you know, trying to be faithful to what God. And then I heard about this whole thing, fresh expressions and dinner church and all these different models. And I was like, Oh, you know, I found my way of being church. I, I had a very similar experience where I was like, doing church in a tattoo parlor and a, a Tex-Mex restaurant. And then people are like, Hey, did you know this, there's this thing called fresh expressions. And I was like, okay, that's nice. Cool. You know? So um, that's awesome. But what you said about the young people. So I think this is so important for our listeners um, to, to learn from you on this. Um, and I definitely am learning from you uh, in American society. It's progressively become more and more irreligious in the sense of I'll push back against religious, yes, um, pushing against institutional forms of religion, but spiritual openness. But about 30% of Americans consider themselves non-religious. That's 18, 20 to 29 year olds, Gen Z. It's closer to 45%. And so for a lot of people, typical church settings do not engage them or speak to their lives. So what if some of the um, challenges and perhaps some of the surprises as you've really focused on young people and as you've connected with young people um, and particularly those who've experienced hurt or burnout from the church. No, that's good. And, you know, that is the sad reality, right? Like 
me being in that demographic and then like i shared earlier like i have too many people that i grew up with in church that are no longer in church or will no longer believe in god and that's just kind of the reality that we're in and when i looked doing our research the number one thing that people say at least in our community in that one mile radius that have said the reason why they don't want to be a part of organized religion is because religious people are too judgmental that was the number one thing and so what does that tell us people want community they want to be welcomed they want to feel hospitality they want to feel loved and mm-hmm. it's sad because those are not those shouldn't be hard things it it just shouldn't like church should be that it should be a place where you can come in and feel welcome it should be a place where you feel not judged and from my experience with our younger folks at at the table like our average age i want to say is probably late 20s to early 30s and what's interesting is we created at the table thinking that it would be for the unchurched and dechurched like that was my heart but what's actually come to be is pretty much all of them actually already belong to a church. But we gather at five o'clock. So that's advantageous because you can still go to your church at 11 and then come check us out. And now we have a good amount of folks that are just committing to at the table. But we're catching people right at the moment of burnout actually almost majority they're serving too much or now at a certain age, they're starting to see the brokenness of church and organized religion. They're seeing the brokenness of people, especially in our political climate right now. And then they're like, hold on. Like, I don't want to be judged anymore. Like I, I have these opinions. I have these views. I have these perspectives that are not welcomed here. And, and they start, I'm, I'm able to, I'm finding that we're catching folks as they're about to leave or as they're about to lose faith. And then they find us and I tell them, hey, I don't know the answers to things, but you can just share whatever you want. And they're like, that doesn't make sense because in this other church I'm a part of or all my life, I was told that it has to be this. God says this. This is not negotiable. And like I said, I'm broken and I do not have all the answers. I'm not an academic and certain questions come up during our times together of discussion. And when the pastor says, I don't know, like, I'll be honest, I don't know the answer. I don't know how God feels about this. That started to open up that safe space for people to be like, oh, actually, like I can just, I don't know either, but I thought I always had to know. So yeah, with young folks, I think community is the number one thing, but a community where they can be vulnerable and feel safe to be vulnerable. And, and that's what we have failed to do for so long. And I think that's what's led to so much hurt. So that's just um, kind of, I guess, my secret weapon, which is not even that secret, is create a safe space where people can be vulnerable and then people will come because they feel welcomed. And, you know, we have a lot of folks that, that just have expressed, like, I'll share with you one story. Uh, she's so committed, amazing member, and she's Nigerian-American. She's got a crazy story. She found her Nigerian roots much later in life. But uh, she'd been growing up going to, you know, a Nigerian congregation where very, very conservative like to the T on things. And especially when it came to role of women, it was different. And Mm -hmm. 
uh, after one of our gatherings. So on the weeks we don't have dinner worship, we have what we have collective, which is just the space for conversation. We put tables or round tables out. You come and we talk about things. And she came up to me almost in tears afterwards. And she said, this is the first time I was able to come to church without makeup on. It was the first time I was able to come to church with my glasses on. And she was like in tears. And she said, other places of worship that I've been a part of, you always have to be perfect. Even if you're dying inside, you have to show that, hey, I'm beautiful. I'm put together. Everything is okay. And she said, this was the first time I felt like I can come and put my crap on the table and be like, this is what I'm actually going through. And that's what I've realized, young people, like we just need places where we can be. And that's where I feel like God is meeting us in that moment of letting it down. So that's probably my biggest takeaway that I've learned is that folks want community. You know, Atlanta is also a place where a lot of folks are not originally from Atlanta, like myself. And you move into this new city and you don't know anyone. And you just are yearning for community, but also a faith community where you can actually do faith and grow with each other. So that's what we're trying to do. I love that, man. And I I think just I think of all the research around creating safety um, and and for people experiencing trauma or isolation or loneliness, which are kind of the big prevailing forces in young people's lives today. Um, and, and if you create that context for safety, then really healing can't take place. True community can't form without that basic ingredient, that basic building block. And it seems like you're really building that. And I wonder sometimes if, um, like the thing that, that the big, you know, people traumatized by church, burnout by church over church, it's this disconnect between like the way of Jesus and, and is basically what I call a spirituality of compassion um, where he was creating safety and, and loving. And, and he's a, he's a from the gut, you know, he's moved with compassion. He sees people's needs. He's and, and people see Jesus and then they see the church, not that. Um, and, and there's such a pronounced disconnect there, but what I feel like you're creating is actually a, a community where real you know, relationships and compassion can be embodied together. Um, yeah. No, that's, I think that's, it's a super good point. And, you know, another element of that is that, like, for example, we had a young girl and she, um, she's like, God gave me a vision. And I think we need to make a hundred blessing bags and go give them out to those experiencing homelessness. And she was actually surprised when I was like, let's do it. Because so many people, even though you've grown up in the church, is you have to jump through hoops to get your idea across, especially as a young person. Like, God is putting something on your heart. I can't shut that down. Like, if you want to do it, let's do it, you know? And that's one of our vision mission statements. We empower others to serve. So if you have something you want to do, like as a young person, we need to listen to you and, and let's do it. And I think that is just so vital is allowing people to have a voice of healing, right? Like I'm able to be vulnerable with each other, but also a voice of leadership, a voice of stepping out into action and us encouraging that. 
that it's not like, hold on, let me take this to the board and let me talk to whoever. But no, I believe in you. And yeah, so that that's what you're saying. I completely agree. I think that's a big part of it as well. Allowing our younger generation to feel like they don't need approval. They don't need someone's permission, but they can lead. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. I think that's so great. Just thinking about doing ministry for, you know, every generation is different. I think you're doing ministry for this next generation, even though, you know, millennials are now like, there are millennials that have teenagers, you know, like millennials are not the young ones anymore and Gen Z. And now there's Gen Alpha who are all the preteen teenagers and things like that. Um, and so one, those big things that we kind of mentioned, um, people are less interested in organized religion, but are still spiritual. They are, don't want to be, are not interested in being told what to believe. They want to have a partner to explore alongside of, um, and they want to be a part of it. They want to create things. I think there's um, some some people kind of expect or want something that's transactional. But when it comes to spiritual community, the emphasis on community, people want to be a part. Like if it, it's not really a community, if you just come in and get something out of it, you know. Um, but if you're a part of participating in it you are giving and also you are receiving and it becomes a even more of this um this tight-knit kind of actual what i imagine the uh heaven the kingdom of heaven you know the kingdom of god that's what it looks like is people working together and all of our strengths and talents coming together in new in different ways which i think is another thing that sometimes people that get disillusioned with the church they might have some incredible talents and that those ideas you were talking about this insight or these things that they want to do but they're not doing it the right way they're mm -hmm. not doing it you know i remember once uh the church i was growing up in my i think it was my sister had a really great idea and she was raising money for something. And I grew up in the church of the Nazarene. And one of the ladies said, no, I'm not going to donate to it because it's not Nazarene. And mm -hmm. my sister, you know, went away defeated. Like it had to be a Nazarene thing, but the, the, I will say to her credit, she came back the next week and said, I shouldn't have said that. And she like donated to the cause, but uh, it's that mindset, you know? And so um, it takes a lot of, of that work of stretching yourself, but it's something that, I mean, you're seeing the results of it. You're seeing people who, not just that they didn't go to church, but they were hurt, like hurt by the church. Like one in three Americans have religious trauma. And so it's something that you have to be very aware of when you come into a situation. And so you're creating that space um, where people can explore that and when they're where they can air out their grievances too, and they can get angry. I love it when my, my people in the, one of the fresh expressions I have, uh, Tallahassee Brew Theology, when they get angry and they rant about the church or even about God, you know, and I'm like, this is lament. Let's all lament together. Let's get mad. Let's work through it. This is a great space to do that. You know, we're not always told that we can do that, but we can and we should. And we can look to the Bible. It happens all the time. People lament. They get mad at God. Wrestle. Yes. Yes. Can mm -hmm. I? Can I piggyback on something here? Let, let me play the old guy between you two, right? Elder millennial cusper person that I am. Um, let me let me push a little bit just for listeners who might be thinking. So for one, will you're empowering and unleashing young people to be in ministry. I've seen some of your apprentices. I've met them. I've had them in my class. 
um, Jesus's disciples, he was 30, right? So his, his disciples were probably teenagers or, or in that age range between teenager to, you know, life expectancy in the ancient world was like 35. So, um, and then when I think about the early Methodist movement too, by the way, they were teenagers that the circuit riders were like 20 year olds and, and they're being unleashed and they're starting churches and doing that. Okay. So for the, the old, the older me sitting back saying, all right, that person who had that idea and you were like, go for it, you know, do it. So you're, you're trying to not get in their way, but let the Holy spirit work through them. So how do you, what's your method for walking alongside them? Like, do you just say, yeah, go with it, run with it? Do you have some kind of process where you are intentionally like apprenticing people or what does that look like in your world? And Piper, yours too, if you wanted to jump in. Yeah. Um, relationship. I mean, I don't have anything special, but it's being able to just meet with people, being available, walking with them, having conversation, having lunch together grabbing a coffee together and just walking with them in that process because i i believe that we are not supposed to do this life alone and in the same way we're not supposed to do ministry alone we're not supposed to lead alone and therefore to be able to walk with someone and to be able to validate them and also to be able to hold someone accountable and and that's something i was shocked about i'm a part of this cohort at Candler. Um, and right now, and we're doing stuff to try to improve young adult ministries in Metro Atlanta. And one of the biggest things that they said young people are looking for is to be held accountable. And I was actually surprised by that because I'm thinking like, hey, if I call out someone, I'm scared that they're going to run away. Right. If I call you out, I'm scared that you're going to be like, you know what? You're being like one of those other old dudes. Like, I don't want to listen to you. So I have that fear in me of calling someone out. But actually, like what I've experienced is when I'm able to sit with someone and be like, man, like that was a good idea, but like, Hey, you're not putting effort into it. Let's, how can I help you? How can we do this together? That helps tremendously. So I do feel like with younger folks, like guidance is always going to be needed. But I think the, the question is how do we give that guidance? It's not, I'm standing behind you at the belt and I'm going to hit you every time you mess up. But it's, hey, I'm here with my hand open, willing to walk next to you. So that's what Rodrigo has actually done for me. And that's what I've learned is like, yeah, that's what I need. Like, I can't be micromanaged. I will crash and burn if you micromanage me. But (laughs) you got to give me freedom. But I also need you to call me out when I'm doing something wrong. I need you to be like, hey, that's good. But how about this? And that's the same way I try to do it with the people that I walk with is, hey, do all the brainstorming on your own, like visioning, you do it. And then once we start implementing it, let me walk with you and see how I can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. That's what I would say, too, and being um, it being an invitational thing. Um, so nobody you don't want to hold somebody accountable when they didn't didn't really ask for it or you're not in that kind of relationship. But when some, when you're doing something like I've got this great idea and they come to you, you act a little bit as the kind of permission giver, even if the permission you're giving is do it, you can do it, you know, but then you can become, like you said, the person that walks alongside. Um, Yeah. I think you're, I think that is interesting, but it does make sense. The accountability thing. I think um, the ways that accountability 
might have been done, you know, in the past, you're talking about hitting, you know, that kind of thing. Like, sometimes people literally like physical or like a confrontational. There's some people that actually respond well to that, but I don't think as many people do. I think if it's more of an invitational thing and when the groundwork of that you you being a person that is trusted and that understands them and that they know is not going to you know, decide, hey, you messed up too many times. I don't like you anymore. I'm not going to talk to you. You know, like when you have that establishment of knowing like there's an unconditional like love and care that's going to be there throughout, even if slash when I do mess up, I think those are all part of it. And that's the same with anything with a, with a, you know, romantic relationship with your partner or with uh, friends or parents. It's the same kind of thing, right? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Mm hmm. Cool. Okay, let's go to a, a big, the big, one of the questions we always ask of everybody. And it's great because we get so many different answers. So I'm excited to hear from you. Um, what do you think, what is the future of the church? What does it look like to you? And what is your hope? Capital C Church. Yeah. So I see a lot of hope. And the reason is I've had these, you know, our members, our younger folks come up to me and they're like, we want church. It's not that we don't want it. And one of the girls, she told me, and I was like, man, she said, I just want to hear the gospel that it relates to me, not just my mom, not just my dad, but that's all that I want in church. I want to be able to experience the gospel where it relates to me. And hearing that, I'm like, we have hope. I mean, we do have hope. It's just how we do it. So when I look at the church moving forward, um, I do feel like that even the whole mega church, hipster church, this and that, that's been working, especially here in Atlanta, even that, most of our members come from those churches. So we're seeing different needs that are not being met and it's not just the lights it's not just the glamour but my hope and what i feel that church needs to be in the future is going back to the roots of community it needs to be a communal based place where we can communally experience god together and where we can communally experience relationship together so when i look at the future of the church if to be successful, I believe that community and relationships is going to be the number one thing. Uh, there's obviously always going to be folks that want to slip in and slip out, you know, receive the sermon and leave. But I still think that there are so many folks that are so hungry to be in community with one another. So my hope is that church will become that. Like, that's what I love about, you know, the conference coming up too. It's like looking back at the roots of things of who we are and where we've come from. And it wasn't always a mega church. Like that's not where we come from. We come from being out in a tent together. Like we come out from being in the fields together and being hungry together. And, and that is what I believe the future needs to be. It's kind of a rewind where, Hey, like I need you to be a part of this community. Not that I just need you to come and leave. So that's my hope. And um, I, I do believe that people like us, the Fresh Expressions movement, 
uh, so many other folks that are understanding the the value of humanity, the value of relationships. Like, I think these are the folks that are going to get it right. That's my opinion on, on what church needs to be. It's about, that's what I love. Like when you look at Fresh Expressions and, and you look at different Fresh Expressions, it's not massive. But like you have thriving communities of like 15 people, of 20 people, of 30 people. And like, that's so beautiful. But we have been like brainwashed to think that that's not okay. How yeah. can you get more? I'm not going to lie. So many people ask me, what are the numbers about the table? How can we grow? How can you make it bigger? But I'm like, hey, right now, this is church and we're making it work. I can't talk to 500 people on one day. But I can talk to right. 35 to 40, no problem. So that is what I see the future to be, are these pockets of community. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. And I love you. You kind of set this vision in the book, too, of, um, you know, you don't have to wait till heaven. And the, we can reflect now in these kind of communities, what we see in the new creation. Um, and you really brought that vision out. And I'm thinking... You know, that when um, people start to celebrate the smallness again and, and start to really, when we get rid of this idolatry of everything has to be big and all the numbers up and to the right, we're going to notice there's a really beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit all over the world. And yeah, Fresh Expressions is one stream and like base ecclesial communities and um, Central and South America is a stream, the African initiated churches. It, but there's and there there's these similar kind of things, but all those little small pockets of new creation and the Holy Spirit uh, springing up all over the world. That's a beautiful thing. Um, I just feel like it's the cult of ego and it's got to be the big thing. And everybody's still asking those questions that they just really actually do harm to this. It, it's uh, trying to put onto it a mental model that's not. And it wasn't Jesus. I mean, Jesus really invested in a small group of disciples that he yeah. could really know and love. And he cultivated them to the point that they could go and do that with others. And then that's how it spread. You know, it wasn't packing a bunch of people into one space, but sorry, I've just got off on a tangent. Woo, no, that's good. Do you want to respond to that? Do you want to respond to that in any way before you tell us where people can like hook up with you? How can we follow you and your, what, what you got going on? Yeah. So I love that you say that because that's what I'm experiencing right now, right? We're hitting our one year mark and I've had people tell me, oh, this is not what I, what I envisioned a year. Like, what do you mean by that? I thought we'd have like hundred, 200 people by now. I'm like, this is what I envisioned to have happen in a year where we have people that are breaking bread together, that are hanging out together, that are doing Bible studies together, that are praying for each other. I mean, what else can you yes. ask for? It's not about the numbers. It's about what's happening now. But on the flip side, I'll be really honest with you. It's not for everyone yet. The reason why I say that is people are have this misunderstanding of what church is supposed to be. And they come in and they're like, oh, I just want to be a consumer but now you're making me sit next to someone and talk to someone and, and pray for one another and hang out with one another. And, yep. and that's what I'm saying. Like, no, 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 like you tell me about Jesus. That's Jesus. What did Jesus do? He hung out with people. And, and the reason why I'd, I say it's not for everyone is because we have had many folks that come in 
and they they experience collective those moments where we're just together and they expect me to give a lecture and tell you all the answers and when i hit you with the i don't know they're like this pastor don't know what he's talking about he, he doesn't know how to teach he doesn't know the bible right but that's what i'm hoping we can flip the script on is church is something that is done together and size doesn't matter it's not about being a massive church but it's about being massive in our hearts and in our relationships and our community so i love what you said because i'm completely i completely agree with that is let's create these pockets that thrive right i think that's that's what church is supposed to be yeah and i got to say i love your humility and that you bring that and i too like to say i don't know the answer to that question let's let's talk about it um, but also I've heard you preach and you're a very powerful preacher and theologian. I've witnessed that myself. So oh, thank you. I appreciate the humility, but I also totally resonate with what you're saying because the level of intimacy that these things create and generate, not everybody is really looking for that. And mm-hmm. I, I totally, I'm a hundred with what you said. Like it's not for everybody. People who want to just come sit in the, and see the show and the, the lights and the smoke machines. This is different. It's it's it's, uh, you know, a whole different thing. But yeah, when where how can people follow you? What's the best way to connect with you? How can people follow at the table? Yeah. So, I mean, for the Net Church as a whole, netchurch.com and, and you look us up, look for the orange N on any social media thing. And for us at, at the table. I, because of the people we're trying to serve younger folks, we're not on Facebook. We're only on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that we're on. Um, and you can find us at Instagram uh, slash at the table underscore Norcross. Um, and yeah, that's how you can find us. And one of the things that people are like, oh, why don't you stream things or whatever? We believe that you need to be present with us to experience that. So you won't find any like, online services for at the table but you'll at least be able to see what it is that we're doing and how god's moving in our midst so those are the two ways that uh you can stay in touch with what we're doing here nice awesome well thanks yeah elder here after after stock you i have to go on instagram to see what you're doing (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's how you know Michael's old because he's on he's on Facebook all day, <laughs> not all day, but that's where you post mostly. <laughs> well, but in, and Gen Z, some I know a lot that are like, oh, Instagram's not cool anymore, and I, I don't even know where they are. TikTok, <laughs> I don't know. That's only one I could think of. TikTok, maybe Snapchat, which you know, but right. it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> that's why you need young pastors too so they can tell you what's up and find those those young people those volunteers and stuff yeah Yeah. well thank you lou for being here this was a great conversation yeah thank you guys so much for the opportunity for the space um and thank you for both of your wisdoms as well i appreciate this thank you yeah thank you and to those listening thanks for joining in on this episode of new people new ways if you enjoyed our conversation with you, please, uh, with Wu, please share it with a friend and spread the word. To connect with us and learn more about Fresh Expressions, check out freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways.